Hello, folks. This is your host, Ellie Tascari, welcoming you to Faith Uncensored. Today, you will hear stories of real people who step by faith into the footprints of Jesus. Enjoy the show. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode. This is your host, Ellie Tascari. I have here in my studio today two very special people, two missionaries, and their names are Chuck and Christy Perez, or Perez, which is better say with a uh, Mexican accent, I think. And they are here today. Um, Christy is the daughter of a missionary, of missionaries. Her parents were American missionaries, or maybe they still are. I don't know the whole story, but she was raised in Mexico where she met her husband, Chuck. And of course, they got married, and here they are today. Welcome to Faith Uncensored. Well, thank you so much for having us. We are very excited to be here, share some of the stories, testimonies, uh, what God is doing around the world, especially in Mexico. Okay, especially in Mexico. So this is where you guys have your focus now. Yes. Uh, you know, as many many of us know, that uh, last year was a different year for everybody. Uh, a lot of us have different plans, planning things. We have a lot of plans to do a lot of outreach around the world. And when the world shut down, because that's what really happened, mm -hmm. uh, during that time we started praying and asking God for direction and asking God to lead us where to go. And around, I think, will I say July last year, the Lord, the Lord started speaking to us about going into Mexico, especially... Uh, some of the uh, parts of Mexico where is when we have some of the most unreached ethnic groups. So we're talking about ethnic uh, groups in Mexico, indigenous communities there that mm -hmm. having a hard time receiving the gospel through a lot of years. Okay, so I know you guys have children. So how do you manage that? You know, did you bring them? Did they stay home? Your wife went with you? What? We try and bring our, our children with us as much as possible. We do believe in uh, family ministry. And they, they get quite involved when, when they're traveling with us. We like them to experience different cultures and to be able to see God move through them. Not only hear it, but actually see the presence of God moving in different parts of the world. So they come with us as much as possible. Of course, mm -hmm. when they have school and other things, well, we stay home and, and hear the stories. But we try, to, <laughs> we try them to, for them to experience as much as, as they can. Okay, how old are they? Um, our oldest, he's 15. Our mm -hmm. middle child is, he'll be 13 in July, and our little girl will be 11 in July. Okay, so they, they're still pretty young. They're not in their 20s, you know. No, no, Okay, okay, okay. This was Chrissy, um, yes. listeners, you know. Okay. Um, I want to mention this, that uh, one of the things that I, I think the Lord has been speaking to us is that even the missionary movement is going to be shifting, it's going to change. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we saw a lot of missionaries going to different places and, you know, leaving their families behind. And, you know, we appreciate a lot of those sacrifices and efforts. But personally for us, a lot of the things that the Lord has spoke to us is we go as a family. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that's been a big, big impact when we go to another country. Um, a couple of years ago, we... Um, made a decision to take uh, the whole family with us to do a mission trip in Spain. Mm. And um, that was a very, very, very uh, good time for them, for us. We rented a small car. Like, you know, they're not big mm -hmm. cars over there like we have yes. here in America. <laughs> um, and we, I think, we travel around, I will say, about 
6,000 miles just driving around the country from different coast to coast and just visiting, ministering churches around the, the, the country of Spain. Uh, and it was really, really powerful to have our children with us as a testimony that, you know, you can serve God as a family. That's something very, very important that we learned during this last few years that, you know, we want to have our kids and our children involved in the work of the Lord. Oh, okay. That's good. That's very good. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't take many mission trips uh, as family or we don't go much on mission trips at all. But I, I was thinking about it because we are, we're planning to go to Italy on a mission trip to Italy, our country, and to bring our children, of course. So yeah, it will very be encouraging. A it will be a blessing because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's a step of faith. Uh, really, that's mm -hmm. what it is. You know, when, you know, it was, it was for me going there first and then I remember one January, there was, I think it was 2018, if I remember correctly, and one day the Lord spoke to me, like, you had to go with your family. And, you know, that's a big step of faith because yeah. it's not the same buying one round tri uh, trip ticket to go to Spain or Europe yes. than bringing the whole family with us. But we knew it was God. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, we saw that blessing to see my kids, our kids involved in ministry. Uh, the following year, 2019, um, the Lord, you know, increased our faith even more, not just to bring our children, but to bring a group of kids from the U.S. and Mexico to wow. come with us. And it was a blessing. We were able to minister around Spain, we did Portugal as well, and we did all the way to Bulgaria. So it was a blessing, and I was just sharing something um, this morning, something very, very powerful. When we were in Spain, uh, you know, I didn't know this before I went, but there's a lot of towns where they don't have an evangelical church there. And this is amazing. 2020, 2019, it's unbelievable to think about a place in the earth, you know, especially in Europe, mm -hmm. that they don't have a Christian church there. So I was really challenged the first time I went. So I said, next year when I come, I'm going to bring a group of people, a group of young people, and minister here. And this specific town is about 6,000 people, uh, you know, uh, 4,500 people they are from Spain, and about 1,500 of them are especially from Morocco or Tunis, mm -hmm. that they come and move there. So anyways, we were there, and uh, we kind of um, spontaneously created a drama. And we have... We didn't have a lot of actors, so we had to use our own children mm -hmm. to do the drama. And we have a girl there that she studied in uh, Christ for the Nation. So she was really, really uh, a blessing to teach us a drama. And so we, we didn't have enough actors, so we have another family with us. And they brought their children. Now, think, just, I'm going to tell you this. Their children are younger than us, and they had three. Mm -hmm. And they're in all these mission trips with three, one baby. And the oldest, uh, he was five years old. So when we were casting who was going to be playing one part of the drama, you know, part of the drama was going to, one, one of the, the actors is going to be something, somebody that is drunk, where we chose the five-year-old. <laughs> so you can imagine going to a park in Spain, because we did outreach, we do a lot of outreach. So in this particular case, we went to this park, and we got the kids playing this drama with some music that we put together, and all these people, because they saw the children, mm. they came. And they saw, and I can see them, you know, crying because oh, wow. they were so impacted. And then I started preaching. And, you know, it was a blessing. And it was a blessing to our children to see that, that God can use them mm. as well. Wow. Wow. Because in, they are always with adults and looks like adults are going to do the work and they're going to be sitting until they become adults. But God is using kids now. Amen. 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 So... Just to, just to go back a little bit, so you you were talking about your re you reaching out to the um, areas of Mexico, right? Yes. 
So uh, in Mexico, you know, a country not far away from us, there's about 160 ethnic groups. And um, some of those ethnic groups, most people know the Mayas or the Aztecs because they are the, one of the biggest groups there. And a lot of them, through the years, you know, they lost a lot of their uh, traditions and all that. But there's a couple of groups that um, even if you go to the uh, Open Doors uh, ministries worldwide, mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about the persecuted church, you can see there's a couple of groups in Mexico that they are actually in that list because, you know, they have persecution for many years. In this specific case, the Lord started leading us to one of these groups. It's called the Huicholes. And the Huicholes are located in the Sierra Madre Mountains of Jalisco, which is, you know, kind of central Mexico. Uh, and, and and this group has have, you know, they, they are pretty hard to, to get into there. It was a lot of remote places, mm-hmm. but it was pretty hard to bring the gospel to them because they um, they have a lot of their old traditions. Yeah. And you, you were telling me yesterday when we were talking that these people, they knew the Spanish were coming in the 1500. Can you tell me a little bit? I like that. Well, th- this is very interesting because um, when we talk to the elders, um, and especially a lot of the traditions and legends they have, and a lot of things are stories. You know, they don't have a written history like we do, mm-hmm. uh, but they have stories. You know, that's how they pass to generation to generation. And um, talking to them and hearing them, mm-hmm. uh, a, lot of pe- a lot of them, a lot of people believe the Huicholes were the... Um, the, the the priest of the Aztecs. See, mm-hmm. when you see history in Mexico and uh, in, in, in back in the day, the Aztecs came from the north and they started moving all the way until they finally settled where now is Mexico City. But they, they are pretty mystical people. They, you know, they, kind of, they have all kinds of witchcraft and all that. So this particular group came and settled in the mountains because some of the, uh, the elders have some dreams and they saw in their dreams that the Spanish were going to come. Mm-hmm. So they say, we're not going there. So they stay in a very, very remote area. And when the Spanish came, of course, you know the, the rest of the story, they conquer the Aztecs, but they couldn't conquer the Huicholes because they were really remote. And they were really remote even when they had the colonization and when they had the evangelism through the Spanish priests, mm-hmm. they couldn't reach them. So until today, there's not even Catholic churches up there in the mountains. You know, wow. they didn't allow any religion that it was not their religion. Their religion is worshiping gods, and one of the gods that they have is a very important god is the deer, you know, the corn, the sun, and a lot of those traditions that till today they still believe on that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So there's nothing, so they're still they kind of living this uh, 2020 life as if it was like 200 years ago. Yes. Basically, and... You know, they, they still... Nothing contemporary reach, not only, may, maybe not only religion, but maybe not even Wi-Fi or not even... Well, recently that we were surprised that they might have, you know, maybe some kind of communication, but, um, you know, they, their lifestyle is still pretty, pretty rustic. Um, they live in huts and they, uh, they don't have a refrigerator, most of them, you know, it's, it's a different lifestyle. You know, they mm-hmm. grew up like that. And uh, they, had, they don't have a lot of influence from, from the outside world. Uh-huh. Actually, I have a, uh, uh, a pastor with us on one of our trips. Um, and he was there and he's like, you know, you're in Mexico, but you're really in another world, you know, when you were wow. in those mountains. What's the name of this uh, group? His name is the Huicholes or Huirarica. They also call this in their language is Huirarica. That's oh. the name of the, the tribe. And, uh, but they are... I think there are about 7,000 of them. Most of them, they move group. out. Yeah, it's a big group. They move up to the cities because they, they, I brought some example here. They are 
are their artisans and they they make beautiful things uh, and they're they're very uh, doing crafts. They're awesome and amazing. Everybody in Mexico, we know them because they are so so talented doing this. They are talented musicians as mm -hmm. well. Um, so they kept a lot of those traditions and you know the the situation up there in the mountains is pretty hard. Is um, most of them, I would say all. No, I'm not gonna say all of them, but they're very poor. They they depend on rain for you know their crops and all that. So there's been times where I mean they struggle with that, and mm -hmm. um, they have some famine coming. Mm -hmm. um, I want to just mention this. Um, her or her dad, and Christy can share a little bit more of this. But Christy's dad, my father-in-law Robert and Nanny, uh, when they went to Mexico as missionaries. Um, he established a church in Zacatecas, which is one of the, the big cities there in central Mexico. But the Lord spoke to him, I can say almost 30 years ago, if I remember correctly, uh, to start going to this group. So he was one of the pioneers to start going to this group. And one of the things that he used as a tool was to uh, bring food. Uh, he brought some horses and, uh, you know, to try to, to, to communicate with them. And that's how he started making some friends over there and mm. through the years, you know, started planting the seed of the gospel with them. And they actually saw some amazing testimonies of people getting saved back in the day. And I want to let Chrissy share uh -huh. some of that. Yeah, I can remember, I must have been uh, eight, eight or nine years old. And I remember my dad used to go up to the mountains and that's what we would call it. He would go up to the mountains. We didn't really know where it was because I was just, I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. And he would... The, the Wichol people would come down from the mountain to different cities, and that's how we knew they existed, because they would come down, like my husband said, to sell their beadwork or their different, trade, yeah, yes. trade, different things. So we knew, and one of the elders in, in our church um, connected with one of these men, and they invited him and my father to go up and, and just see where they lived and see how they lived. Mm -hmm. And so the door was open. God was moving. He, was, he had a plan. And so my father wow. went up and he would go, I don't know, maybe a couple times, um, once a month at least. He would spend at least two weeks there because it was a long trip. Now uh, some of the roads are paved. It's so much easier. But back in the day, it would take him probably eight hours of dirt road in a truck. And then he would have to take horses or walk for the next, I mean, as far as a truck could get was eight hours. And then there was no roads. Wow. So he would download the horses. And the next village wow. was another six hours walking or on horseback. Wow. So that's how remote these the, the this group was back 30 years ago. And they are still very close to that. Now we can actually get a little closer. It's a lot faster. But back then, I mean, he would take many, many hours to get there. And like uh, Chuck said, he, they started to um, take food and just different help. And a lot of them started becoming Christians. Mm. And so, so Christianity, was it was welcomed? Was it welcome? At first it was, um, obviously because there was help. But, you know, the enemy always looks for a way to, to you know, stick his head in. And what mm -hmm. started to happen is a lot of the young men would become Christian men, and they would stop their ways. They would stop their religion, and the elders would start to get worried. Ah, they see. would no longer be interested in, in doing their rituals. They would no longer be interested in, I mean, they use a lot of uh, different illusions. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> drugs and stuff to Beauty. be able, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, to have their, yeah, to have their spiritual encounters. And the young men would stop doing that. And wow. so all these new Christian families, the youth stopped 
doing drugs. Yes, yes. right? right? And, <laughs> and the, the elders, elders are <laughs> encouraging them to yeah. go back to their old ways. Yeah, so they would get upset about it. They would say, okay, you guys are, are going against our traditions, and they would shut it down. And the way it works there is it's they have their own government. They are in Mexico, but the different uh, indigenous groups have their own government. Okay. And so their government would shut them down. So maybe a new governor would come in and he would be, you know, okay, Christians are okay. They bring food, they help, and he would let us in. But then another governor would show up and he would be a little more radicalized. He'd be like, no, this is wrong. You guys are, are, are not allowed here. And they would shut us out completely. And they would start wow. to persecute these new young families. Oh, wow. I, I want to share a little bit about that because... Um, it was not just uh, persecution with uh, with the, the, the way. I mean, it, it was it was bad. And, and at one point, uh, some of the most radical um, leaders started putting some of these new Christians in prison. And it was when uh, I think it will say about twenty years ago, the persecution started, you know, getting pretty bad. Mm. A lot of a lot of them uh, eventually had to leave because they were threatening them and trying to kill them. So a lot of these Christians ended up leaving. Uh, we know a lot of them, they will like, they ended up losing their houses. That was wow. pretty powerful because we met people that they lost their house, they lost their land because they they couldn't they couldn't stay. Um, one of the 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 the, the testimonies is uh, uh, Adolfo. Adolfo is uh, is I'm, I'm going to talk about him a little later, but Adolfo was one of them. He was a young guy. He quit doing drugs. I mean, he got saved. He was he couldn't read, so he actually started reading the Bible. That was the first thing he started reading. Wow! And wow. Uh, and sweet guy, two kids, two boys, and one day they say we're gonna kill you. So he had to flee in the middle of the night with his wife and two children in the middle of the mountains wow. to go back to the city. You know, and he ended up becoming one of the elders at the church where. My left father, everything. Left everything. And left they they took everything away from him. And during that time back in the nineties, um uh, my father in law and other men were actually able to start a church there and they actually have a building they were building and one of the governors say no, so they were going to turn it down and actually eventually they had to turn it down. And they so had they, to leave. So in those days in the days of death the guy Adolf had to move out. Still, your father-in-law was able to build to during, start a during church. During time, they they were. I think th during that time, I think Adolfo was the last one or one of the last ones they had to leave. So I'm talking about a maybe a four or five year period of time where they were actually having some of them get saved. And I, there's an amazing testimony that I want to share about back in the day because one, I think it was an, a New Year's Eve service, and they will have baptisms at the church in Zacatecas. Now, the Zacatecas is the city. The Zacatecas is one of the closest cities. Uh -huh. Zacatecas is one city in one side, and Guadalajara is one city in the other side. Okay, so, but, okay, they were having baptism In Zacatecas, in Zacatecas. For, uh, for, for people from the church, but they uh, want to baptize some of the newcomers of the Huicholes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them uh -huh. came. And so they came from the mountains to, the this city. to get baptized. And it was amazing because mm -hmm. the water on the baptism, it was really cold. But it was a miracle because once they came and they arrived, and, and this is, you know, unless, you know, you believe in the supernatural, yeah. the water got warm. Oh, wow. It was amazing. So a lot of them, oh, include, wow. it, it, this includes Adolfo and his wife, you know, they got baptized, they got saved, uh, but the situation in the mountains got worse mm -hmm. and worse. Uh, so it was very hard to get to them. It was very hard to communicate with them. A lot of the Christians had to leave. 
So it was really, really persecution got really bad for several years. And um, you know, we have we know some people, some pastors that tried to approach um, the last few years, and uh, I know one of them, Pastor Reynaldo. He's one of our pastors down there in Zacatecas, and and uh, he was a missionary in India, and then he when I was he went to Africa to Senegal for a while. And then he came back to Mexico, and when he was in Mexico, he's a missionary. So the Lord, the Lord started reminding him about the group, the Wicholis. So he started making a few trips, uh, you know, here and there. But they kick him out. They say you can't come. Oh. So it was really hard for them to go. And, the and this is pretty recent. This is pretty recent. Uh -huh. The most recent, uh, uh, well, there's two more recent events. The most recent events, uh, they have uh, some Christians, and finally one of the governors kind of say, you know, you can stay here. And, you know, they started another church. In there. And then wow. two years later, the next governor say no. And they kick him out. And they kick him out. A lot of them, they ended up coming to one of the small towns outside of the mountains. And they had to be there at a, at a place. No, just, just think about this. The, for these people, following God meant losing everything. They lost their house. Mm -hmm. They lost their families. Mm -hmm. And they were kicked out. And they were wow. left with nothing. And you imagine they don't have the resources, so they had to live somewhere, find a way to live. A lot of them with children. I know some of these people wow. that they had to be displaced because of their faith. Wow. Wow. They could have said, okay, I'm Christian in, in my heart, and I keep following the traditional religion. But they, they didn't. They didn't want to do that. No, they they they, they don't want that because mm -hmm. the, the traditions. You you look into the traditions. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to be a Christian and follow their traditions. Yeah, because you can't. You can. I mean, you have a lot of drugs involved. You have a lot of things that you know are demonic involved. Mm -hmm. So do they it's do pretty sacrifices? Hard. Animal they, sacrifices. They or? don't do. They don't do that anymore. That uh, uh, like that. But you know, they have a lot of, and, and they're very mystical people. So the the most powerful people there are the shamans. The mm -hmm. shamans are, and they uh, they have a name for them, um, and and they they actually fear these people because they they curse people. And we know some of these people. Actually, something really nice. I would like Christy to share about Santo Serio. Santo Serio was the main witch doctor or shaman back when my father-in-law was coming, he was, everybody feared him, you know. He actually, to get to his house in the mountains, there was a road, and then before you got to his house, it separated in two roads, and then he got together after, went around his house because everybody was afraid of this guy. So I want to let Christian share about him What's a little bit. What's his name again? His name was Santos Serio. Oh, okay. And um, my dad had heard about him, Obviously, because he would, my dad's a pretty fearless man. And mm -hmm. when he went up there, he went in the authority God had given him. And sometimes, I mean, I think also he was kind of oblivious. He didn't know until the, the people would come up to him and different witch doctors would ask him and say, Roberto, why are you still alive? And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, I cursed you. You should be dead. Everybody I curse dies. Why are you still alive? And so the easy answer was because my God is bigger than yours. And then they would have interest. So uh, many God, maybe we should serve yes. him. Maybe yours is greater than ours. <laughs> yes. Maybe just switch. Yeah. So many of them, um, they they knew my father. And this one Santo Serio, he was ninety years old. He had been the most feared witch doctor for many many years, and whoever he cursed would would die. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. it would. Uh, that's how it wow. works with them. They they believe in the spoken word, and so they speak over you. And that becomes a reality. 
And so my father started asking. I said, I've heard about this Santos guy. Who will take me? And nobody wanted to take him up. And one guy finally said, okay, I'll tell you where it is, but I'm not going close to his house. And so my father got up the next morning. They traveled the many hours they had to travel on horseback. And that's what he says. The, the road literally splits in two to go around Santos' house because nobody wanted to encounter wow. him. So he, he starts climbing up, and there's Santos waiting for my father. <laughs> and my father says, yeah, I am Robert. He said, I know. I know who you are. He said, my guiding spirits told me that a servant of the true God was going to come visit me. Wow. And that he had the power to heal my wife. So I'm here is my wife. everywhere. <laughs> yes. It was so powerful. He said, they told me that you had power to heal my wife. And so come in. I want you to meet her. So demons told this man. Yes. There is a man of the true God. Yes. So they were submitted. Totally. Yes. These demons were totally Absolutely. submitted to the authority of God to say, I'm wondering if absolutely. God said, you got to tell this guy, you know. Yes, absolutely. They, wow. they know. They know, obviously. And so my father went in the hut, and this lady had been cursed by, you know, a rival. <laughs> yes, because that's how it worked. And um, she wasn't eating. She hadn't eaten for I don't know how many days. She was very thin. Just death was upon her. And my father, filled with faith, he just took her hands prayed over her, rebuked, and he said, I closed my eyes. He tells the story. He said, I closed my eyes because I was like, okay, God, what did, what, where did you bring me? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> he just said, in Jesus' name, he said, when he opened his eyes, the woman looked like she had a bucket of water thrown on her. She was just sweating, and her face totally changed. She mm. got up and kind of like Peter's mother, got up and started cooking for them. <laughs> wow. Wow. So she was sweating. Kind of when you have a fever. Yes. And the fever broke. leaves you. The, exactly. And you yep. start sweating it out. Yeah. Yeah. The sickness left her. Wow. The demons left her. And so my father led her to the Lord, led Santos to the Lord. It took a while because, I mean, the demons were really tormenting him. But he became a Christian man at the end. And he could not believe that if, even after he had been so wicked, sent so many people to their death, and cursed so much that God would still forgive him. And he would just fill with tears. And at the last of his life, I mean, he still lived for maybe 10 more years. And I remember way towards the last, he came down to Zacatecas because he was very ill. He was a very old. And my father would visit him in the hospital. And every time he said, Robert, talk to me about heaven. Read the ah. stories about heaven. And that was his favorite subject. And he knew. Because he he knew going. he was heaven bound. Yes, yeah. he knew yeah. he was heaven bound. So that's, that's just an amazing story wow. of God's faithfulness, of God's love for the lost sheep. Wow. It's just awesome. Amazing, amazing story of yeah. redemption. So in the midst of all this, you know, you can see God saying a lot of times, you know, we're going through difficult times and times when you know, it's very tough. You know, but in the midst of that, God gives you a glimpse that mm -hmm. he is with you. And this is what happened. I, I've been reminded about, you know, Abraham, you know, he, in his life, you know, sometimes he gets so discouraged, you know, waiting for the promise of God. And then, you know, sometimes God will say, hey, come out, come out of the tent, look at the stars. Yeah. You know, that's a good reminder. And this, this testimony is a reminder that in the middle of the persecution, God can still reach the most wicked man that we knew wow. back then. And this son makes a testimony now his daughter. This is this is where it gets interesting. Okay. The daughter of the Santo Serio. Uh-huh. Santo Serio's daughter, Aurora. Okay. Now she's a Christian to the day. 
and that's Adolfo's wife. And oh, uh, that's that's hallelujah. very connected. So Adolfo had to okay, so just Ad to remind everybody, Adolfo had to leave because he was persecuted. So he went to the city called uh, Zacatecas. Zacateca. And yeah, one and day he meets the and daughter and of Santos. Yeah, Santos and, and, and her got married and they had to leave together because of their faith. And they eventually come to the city. And, uh, you know, recent times, you know, there's been a lot of persecution and a lot of, you know, not open doors for the gospel there. And, you know, some ministry trying to get in, but eventually leaving because of that. And um, uh, Aurora, this is Santos Serio's daughter, okay? Mm -hmm. Now we're going to get him a little bit more involved in the story. Aurora, one Sunday morning, she's in the in the church in Zacatecas, and she comes to church one Sunday morning. Like I said, these are very mystical people. They dream a lot, uh -huh. and um, they're very prophetic people, okay? Yes, yes, yes. They were serving the wrong, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, yeah. Aurora now, she's probably 65 years old now. Oh, wow. And, um, and one Sunday morning, she comes to church and asks the pastor about me and Christy. And she's like, where is Chuck and Christy? And the pastor said, well, they're somewhere in the world. You know, he didn't know exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. uh, by that time, she didn't know. But we were talking about, you know, we've been going to Europe, to Spain and Portugal. But we also, the Lord started putting a burden to go to those those ethnic groups in Mexico and, you know, doing missions there. And um, so anyways, she tells the pastor, you know, I have a dream last night. And this is the middle of worst persecution. And she's like, I saw billboards going up the mountains and when i saw the billboards i saw chuck's face on the billboards and they were like advertising some kind of meetings and then she says something very powerful she say the people there are waiting for him and this is about six years ago wow so the pastor calls me the following day and when he says that i knew that was god speaking to me and mm. the guy was preparing everything for some at some time going back there but, you know, they kick him out. So we were trying to see how that going to work. So we kept, you know, going to different places around the world. So last year, it was around, I will say, maybe uh, about, yeah, about the, the beginning of the year, March, um, we were driving to El Paso. We live in Tyler, Texas, East Texas, and we're driving to El Paso to minister our, at a friend church. And when we're in the road on the highway, we got a couple of voice messages from the pastor in Zacatecas, Reynaldo. And the news were not very encouraging. The news were that he started ministry of family of Huicholes that came to the city and got saved. But when they went back to their houses and to their village, they got put in prison. And this uh -huh. is last year. Um, and not just put in prison. One of them, uh, I'm not going to say her name, but she's 75 years old. And not only they put her in prison, they put him, uh, they tie her to a tree, hands and, and, and feet. I mean, tied to a feet for three days okay. and three nights, no food, nothing, just because of their faith. Wow. So he's telling us all this to pray. Wow. But he didn't know that it was God moving us and say, this is the time. Now is the time. Not when everything is going good, not when everything is going fine, but now is the time for us to go. So we made a decision in that trip, instead of coming back home, we made a decision and we say, God, we're going to go down there. So that was the first trip I made last year, uh, around March, around the spring. And I went up to the mountains, and uh, we couldn't go into the villages. So I went to the last town we were allowed to go, and we have some meetings there. Now, think about this. No church. There was nothing there. So it was pretty pretty rustic. You know, We had to sleep on a truck, which I don't mind. Uh, but we didn't have a place to meet. So we were supposed to have the Jesus movie in their language. 
uh, but you know, it started raining. So at the end, we ended up having the meeting at a public bathroom. It used to be a public bathroom. So that was our church. Okay. So I'm preaching next to the toilet seats. But you know, these people show up, and there's some show people there. Um, and I, I want to mention one of them. There's, there's different testimonies, but one of them, her name is Cecilia. Well, she, this lady shows up at the meeting, and I can see her. When I, when I started preaching, I can see her on her face. She is, she is struggling, sick. I ended up no, um, finding out later that she walked for three days, very sick, no shoes to get to that meeting. You know, a lot of times we don't realize the sacrifice people do, mm-hmm. but this lady Walk three days to come to this meeting mm-hmm. to have an encounter with God, and God healed her that day. You know, I can I I saw her a couple times later in the year, and God healed her that day. You know, she was hungry for God. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of the stories of Jesus walking in the New Testament. These people desperate, like the like the lady with the issue of blood. You know, they're desperate yes. people. And uh, there was another couple there, uh, and there was different people that God started bringing together, new people. Young people that, you know, they don't want to do drugs anymore. They don't want to get drunk anymore. You know, they have a big alcoholism problem there. So this lady, Cecilia, comes. So that we don't have a place to meet. So we're just sitting down in somebody else's backyard. And, but people start coming there for, being, for prayer. So there was another lady, and she brought her husband. And this man comes, and you can see his hangover. You know, he's not doing well. Uh, they, they, a lot of them work. There's a mine, uh, gold mine, silver mine there. A lot of these people were there. And uh, he came, and he said, I need help. I know my wife some, did something about God, and I just want to get help. You know, we pray for him. Mm-hmm. And God delivered him that day. Now, this is more than a year, and he's sober. And he's a Christian now. Oh, man. I mean, I stay in touch with these people. So, you know, God started moving the pieces together. He started bringing the people together. So I, I, I know in my heart, and I share this with Christy when I came back from that trip, I say, we need to have a church there. But, you know, there's persecution. So I remember the pastor, Pastor Reynaldo, say, we need to pray for a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough because they ended up releasing these people from prison but something needs to change. These people have been struggling mm-hmm. for centuries now. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, this specific event, putting this mm-hmm. family in prison, a lot of people were not happy with that. You know, yeah. they were not happy. So the the elders had to make a decision. And I was So people in the in the in the of the we Wicholis. People of the Wicholis were not happy with the way these people were persecuted. No, a seventy five year old woman was tied to a tree. For three days, mm. no food. You know, they have their own kind of jail. They have uh-huh. their own. They, they know they have their own laws, and people started, you know, saying there not something needs to happen. And I think it was, I we believe God was fed up with it. I would think the Lord was uh-huh. like enough. Uh-huh. So these elders, the governors of these uh, these villages, and in this particular case, the 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 witch doctor, the name of the witch doctor is Maracame. That's how they uh-huh. call him. Is the same guy as the governor, so he's the governor and also the main witch doctor. <laughs> okay, and we know who he is. We he goes by a nickname, Big Knife, because he carries a big knife. So we're praying for Big Knife, and we're praying for him. And you know, he knows about the Lord, but he never have a decision about the Lord because he, my father-in-law, met him many years ago when he was young. So we're praying, and one day, I remember I was driving. I think I was driving this direction about going somewhere around Houston. And I get a call from Pastor Reynaldo in Zacatecas, and he said, you're not going to believe it. The elders of the Huicholes got a meeting for two, three days, and they made a decision that for the first time, they're going to give religious freedom to the Huicholes. 
And not only just, you know, word to mouth and say no. They actually sign an agreement, sign an accord saying this is going to happen. It's happening right now. Amazing. 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 So can you imagine my reaction is this is the time. This is the door. Uh So next time we're going there, we're going into the villages. And we did. So we're sharing all these testimonies. And I mean, it's something miraculously that God opened the door for us to go there. So up to that moment, you you were close to the villages, but never got in or, or were you able um, previously to go inside the villages? No, the no, Wicholes? you cannot. I mean, you can go in the villages as a tourist, but you cannot go in the villages and preach. You were not allowed. Uh-huh. Uh, so my first trip was uh, to the last town, which we call it Mestizo or a mixed town where you have Mexican government in charge, but there's a lot of Wicholes there. That's where a lot of them came to the meetings. We couldn't have the meetings in the villages okay. because they were not allowed. So uh-huh. we, we make a decision and we say a lot of these people need to come. So the next trip that I went, now I was able to go to the village. I was able to go and see people. And actually, as a matter of fact, the next time I went in the summertime, early summer last year, the Lord laid in my heart to raise funds and we actually rented a place that we had planted a church down there. Oh, man. So Hallelujah. we have a church down there <laughs> in the in this in this specific town where they can come from all over the different places in the mountains. Uh-huh. And and so no more public bathroom, which I don't mind. Yeah. And now <laughs> so we guess, have a church. Yeah. It's a nice place. We started we brought some uh, some stuff and you know, some people, some churches started networking with us, some ministries, and they started sending help. So now we have a church there. A church building and a church to come for people to come, and at the same time here in Tyler, our home church, uh, Tyler Metro is the name of the church. I was sharing this testimony one Sunday morning, and there's a brother there, really nice, really nice guy. His name is Johnny Jennings, and Johnny Jennings approaches me after the service. Actually, approached you first, and then the next Sunday approached me and say, "You know what? I was praying this morning, and I uh, I felt the Lord wanted me to tell you that." You know, and I want to get involved in that to bring church, uh, bring Bibles to the Wicholes in their own dialect. And oh. I, and to be honest, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't want to laugh because, you know, this you is. Want to be rude, yeah. Yeah, I will be rude. And <laughs> this is not happening. There's not material for them. And, but, you know, I want to be polite. So I say, I'll make a couple of phone calls. So, you know, next couple of days I had on the phone with, you know, Mexican Bible Society and different ministries down there. And nobody had anything in their language. Nobody. So eventually I got really discouraged because nobody will answer. Or everybody say no until one guy in Mexico City said, why don't you try this ministry that translates Bible somewhere in the south of Mexico, Oaxaca. So he didn't tell me the number. He just said, look him out on Google. So, you know, go into the computer. And <laughs> so I Googled them and I found this ministry. I even remember the name of it uh, in Mexico. But I have a, they have a phone number, no answer. And they, I noticed they have a number from Arizona. So I say, oh, I'm in the U.S., I'm going to call this number, no answer. But I left a, ba- a voicemail and a message, a voice message. And um, 30 minutes later, I got a call. Mm. And when I see my phone, I see that it's Wycliffe Institute, which, you know, very, very mm-hmm. important and a very, very blessed ministry that we appreciate so much because mm-hmm. they are actually translating the Bible into different languages. And and I got in, uh, in contact with them, and I started sharing some of these testimonies with them. And the guy is excited to hear <laughs> that. And I say, well, kind of begging him a little bit, you know, do you have any kind of material? And he said this. He said, I have great news for you. He said, two months ago, and he didn't know it was around the same time that they gave him the religious freedom. He said, about two months ago, we finished 
the first translation in the Bible in their dialect. Oh. So wow. this is the first ever printed wow. Bible in the Wichol dialect. And this is the Old Testament, the New Testament. They even translated the maps. So this is Amazing. a miracle. This is a prophetic declaration wow. that in the midst of persecution, that in the midst of the most hard time for them, God was overcoming. You know, this is a testimony that my father-in-law and all these people for many years, they, they saw so many seeds in this place. This is a victory. It is a slap in the face of the devil saying, you know, you wanted to stop the gospel. You wanted to stop. And now the Bible overcame. Wow. Wow. This is amazing. This is amazing. Look, I'm, I'm watching, looking at the Bible now. It really has all the maps translated, the maps that you have on your Bible in the front of your Bible. The, wow. This is amazing, amazing. I, I can't understand a word of this language, obviously, but how God is. God is so faithful. Look at this. I'm really speechless, you know, on how God is always in time, Amen. always in time. And uh, he's going to answer our prayers. Yeah, I remember um, a man said, even when he's late, God is on time. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, yes. It yes. looks like to us. It would seem late because my father mm. was going to the mountains and, and he would have loved to have at least the New Testament in their dialect to, to share with wow. them the gospel. Yeah. He would have loved to be able to preach to them in their own dialect. So is your father still alive? Yes, yes. So he, he at least, you know, he he knows we we brought this oh, bible to goodness. him and he was he was in tears yes. he, he didn't even want to touch it. he's like this is so precious oh yes yes it's, it's just so precious because the oh word goodness. of god we we sometimes take it for granted yes we have so many and yes. we leave them there just. we have no idea the power that was not only translated but it was also an audio oh. audio bible not everybody can read and so mm -hmm. we, we found the audio Bible. We're able to download it and um, we're Somebody's sending it. Somebody's reading it. Yes, in their dialect. There's Wichol men and women reading the Bible and oh. recording it. And so we have these Hallelujah. little um, speakers that we take up mm -hmm. and just the power of God. One testimony is uh, a man, the pastor put the, the speaker and he pushed play and the man started listening to the Bible in his dialect. And the Spirit of God just came on him and he fell to his knees because he had yeah. never heard yeah. the Bible in his in his dialect. And that's just the power wow. of God. Wow. How it is the same yesterday and today and forever. The power of the word of God mm -hmm. is just so, so amazing. And we're we're so thankful that like like Chuck was saying, in the midst of it seemed the darkest time for the Wichol people, in the midst of the most persecution for them, God had another plan. He had men and women working on translation. He had men and women moving forward. Almost like it looked like behind enemy lines, but I don't think the enemy even knew as they wow. were working yeah, yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden behind the scenes. Yes. And and right at the same time that they sign the the decree to let them have their freedom of liberty is the same month this is this was printed hallelujah. So I mean time, tell me about God's perfect timing for yeah. everything. Wow, this is amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you, Father. So we were able to bring uh, some of these Bibles. There was just a, couple, a few boxes printed for the first mm -hmm. time, so we were able to find some of them, thank God. And uh, we brought a lot of the audio Bibles and bring it into the mountains, bring it into the villages. Some people couldn't believe that somebody took the time to try to, to translate the Bible in the dialect, and this is showing the love of God in another level. So 
uh, we started the church, and now we have the Bible. So now we're heading into what we call it gospel invasion. And this summer, we you know I've been been Opened. going. Yes, we are we're uh -huh. open, and I, I want to show it to you. Is gospel invasion, and um, what we're gonna do in this summertime? We're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna actually going first. Me and Christy and some of the pastors. We're gonna baptize again all the newcomers, but instead of them coming to the city, we're going there to baptize oh, them over wow. there. So we're going to baptize them there. We're going to start another church in the other side of the mountains in another village uh, where some of these people, they were displaced because of their faith. They were pastors, so we're going to start working with them as well. And there's so many testimonies. I want to share one more testimony to just to show you how God is moving. So powerful down there. So we came back a few weeks ago. We were down there, and the pastor now... Listen to this. The, the, we talk about a dolphin aurora that they had to leave 25 years ago because of their faith. Mm -hmm. Now he is the pastor down there. <laughs> now he is oh my. coming back to his people. And now he, he took a long time because they took everything away from him. But now mm -hmm. he is the pastor down there. Adolfo. With Aurora. Aurora. The daughter, and, uh, of, the daughter the... of Santo Serio. That's, I mean, and I was actually able to meet one of Santo Serio's sons and preach to him. Me and Christy recently, uh, remember the lady that got healed, Teresa, that was Santo Serio's wife. Now she's still alive. And wow. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and we were able to minister to one of his uh, sons, uh, her sons, uh, recently in this last trip, and we were able actually to take the kids with us. And this is amazing because the legacy, and I want to just share a little bit about that. Wow. We'll talk about family at the beginning. We're going to go on to the, the thousandth generation. You know this. The legacy. Now it's not just me and Christy, but the, my father-in-law's grandkids going up there. And mm, this your is amazing. father-in-law. How old is he? He's 60. Uh, no, he's 70. He's going to be 70 okay, next okay. year. So, good. Yeah, good. he's in a he's still good age. So he's yeah. really encouraging. And, um, he so, must be happy. I mean, is this the first time that he goes back after many years? No, he hasn't been, been back. He's he's here in the U.S. Uh -huh. uh, my mom-in-law passed away recently, so mm -hmm. he, he stayed here. And now it's us going in, in which pretty much took the the baton that he had and pass it to us. Yes. Now we're going and bringing our children and it was, it's been powerful to bring our children and to bring the ministry to those places where we're, we was prohibited to preach and now we're doing outreach there. Now in the summertime, uh, we call this gospel invasion and this is a word God has been speaking to us. We're going to make an invasion of the kingdom of God in that area. So we're having some training. Some uh, We're going to have some young people. We're going to minister to them prophetically. We're going to make an impartation into them in the summertime. And then we're going to bring them to, with us to do a big outreach in these villages. We're going to have some children's ministry in the morning. We're going to have a lot of things for children in the morning mm -hmm. to present the gospel for, for a lot of them for the first time in their lives. This is wow. amazing. A lot of these kids are going to hear the gospel for the first time in their life. A lot of these people. So we're going to have an open outreach outside. There's no church, so we, we're going to have to do it outside in these villages. Mm -hmm. We're going to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, and we're going to bring an invasion of the kingdom of God. We're going to bring Bibles. We're going to bring the gospel to them. And that's what we're doing right now. We're planning and getting ready to start going next month. So okay, I, I, Next month. So it's, next it's month. happening soon. It's happening soon. We're going to go down. We're going to start preparing everything for the baptisms. We're going to start preparing everything for the new church. And around the month of August, if I remember correctly, is when we're bringing the kids with us and a lot of these people with us to the mountains. Actually, on the way here, just driving here to this, to this, to this morning, we have a call from another girl saying, "I want to go with you." Yes, so I feel God, like I want to go with you yes, guys. <laughs> God is preparing the way 
to bring the gospel there. So we're excited. Uh -huh. We are encouraged. And I want to encourage everybody that is listening to us today that, uh, that I want to I wanna say that God, you know, God is on the move. You know, a lot of times we don't see, and especially here in America, we're going through mm -hmm. so many things that maybe are not things that we like. So I want to encourage everybody. Um, I know a lot of people are maybe thinking, how can we be part of that? And we want to encourage everybody. You can be a part of that. You can be a part of, you know, it's history in the making down there. Uh, it's really well how we feel about it. We're very, very uh, thankful with the Lord for giving us the opportunity to participate. So I want to encourage everybody. How can I be involved? How can you be involved? Of course, you can pray. And I, I, we have these pamphlets here, flyers here. You can you can partner with us in prayer. Obviously, mm -hmm. we need prayer for protection. The situation yes. sometimes, you know, we need the angels of God protecting us. And many situations that we, you know, we're going to be in the road. We're going to take these people, too many people there. So we need the protection of God. And obviously, we need uh, to pray for salvation, to pray mm -hmm. for people to... Uh, to receive the gospel. I know God is already preparing the hearts, but you can pray for salvation, for healings, miracles. I know we're going to see a revival down there. Everything is happening. All the ingredients are getting mm -hmm. together. So I know we're going to have an, an intervention in heaven there. They wow. These people needed it. Yes. They were forgotten for so many years. They were left mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. in so many times, but God never forgot them, never left them behind. So he is reaching out to this community, these people. So you can partner with us in prayer. And also you can partner with us giving. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's some needs that we need to do there. Uh, we're going to have to rent trucks. So we have to rent, you know, we can drive to a certain point, but still some of the roads are not in big, good condition. So we're going to need vehicles, trucks, mm -hmm. especially that we need to take down there. So we have to rent or get those kind of things. We wanna another, we're gonna start another church, plan another church. So because there's nothing there, there's there's no way to to do it another way. We had we're gonna do it again the way we did it with the first church. We're gonna raise the funds for paying for a one year for for a new church in the other okay. town. So, so so what's what's the best way to give? I see here that you have a QR code, but for those who are listening, well, there you can go to our website, and I know we're gonna have something down there in the in the description. But the website is www odenmissions.com slash donate. Oden Missions is O-D-E-M missions at, um, well, the, it's O-D-E-M missions.com slash donate. Okay. And um, I, I think we're going to have some some kind of... Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to add the link to the description okay. of the podcast. So you, yeah. you guys are going to find the link there to donate to this ministry. Okay, so you can give there in that. Uh, that uh, You're going to see there's going to be a couple of places you can give. You can do, do it through PayPal. You have a PayPal account. Mm -hmm. And and also there's a, a website or a link to uh, Authorize.net, which is Bank of America. Everything mm -hmm. is secure down there. I want to encourage everybody. Don't worry yes, about yes. it. And everything is going. We are a nonprofit organization, 51C3 in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So everything that you give, you put enough information there, maybe your address or email, We'll give mm -hmm. you a tax receipt maybe, uh, next year. So yeah. you wanna wanna give a donation there. It's tax deductible. It's tax deductible. So you wanna give anything you wanna give. I, I wanna just say this: anything you wanna give is gonna be a blessing. Uh, we have a goal here that we had to raise for the outreach. Uh, we had to reach seven thousand. We already have two thousand. Thank God that we were raised mm -hmm. for this trip. We're uh -huh. gonna have. 
this is a big effort. We're going to bring... So 7,000 7, for the trip. For, for the trip, for everything. Because we're bringing... You got to remember, we're bringing people, flying people in. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these people, we're going to rent places to stay. We're, we're, I mean, it's a lot of details. I mean, we're working on that. So to be honest, we try to do it the most... Um, yeah, you know, convenient. the most simple and convenient, yeah. but still there's expenses. Uh, yeah. There's places we had to stay. And we're talking about we're bringing the biggest ever group to do outreach down there. Wow. So it's worth it. We had to purchase more Bibles. We had to purchase more speakers. So there's expenses. Uh, so any amount somebody wants to give is going to be yeah. a blessing. I'm yeah. telling you. And that's going to be invested in, in, in the outreach. It's going to be mm -hmm. invested in uh, some of the Bibles. It's going to be invested in, in many areas. And also we're going to help pay for the church building for a whole year for rent. So uh -huh. it, um, our, that's $2,000 for the new church. We're uh -huh. going to have, you know, very, you know, some of the... Um, uh, buy some you know, simple sound system that we're going to do for the outreaches. So we're going to keep it simple. You know, mm -hmm, there's, mm -hmm. we're going to, we, we call it baby steps. We're going on baby steps. We want to, first of all, we, we're going to have a place for people to come. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there, there's no houses like we can meet on houses. People, they don't, they have huts. They're very small. And sometimes you can meet outside. But, you know, we want to have, I think that the church building is most, mostly a declaration. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's it's a, a light in the darkness, here. a safe yeah, statement, yeah. and saying we yeah. have this. The presence of the church is here now. Hallelujah. So we want to have that, and then we want to have people coming with us. So this is gonna be be a big, big effort. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna require a lot of people coming, a lot of prayer involved, a lot of people getting, you know, giving. So I, I, the way we see it, to be honest, is our team effort, you know, and, mm -hmm. and here in the U.S., a lot of times we don't um, understand how precious it is for these people mm -hmm. to have their Bibles in their hands yeah. for the first yeah. time, to hear the, the Bible in their dialect or yeah. to have a place to go. Just one story that I want to share before I, I pass the mic to Christy. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Adolfo uh, sent a message, and he said that uh, they now they have the services there, and the name of this town where we have the church is Bolaños. That's the name of the town. Mm -hmm. And this is in Jalisco, the state of Jalisco. And um, a lady came to church, and he didn't know who she was, but he, she was crying during worship. She was lifting her hands. You would think, you know, she was a Christian, but when he approached <laughs> her, he said, what is your name? He said, she said, my name is Norma. And, and, and he asked, why are you here? And this is what she says. Listen to this. She said, I had a dream. And in this dream, I became a Christian. Oh, my goodness. And I came to a place. And this is the place I came. And I was worshiping the true God. Listen, ah. I know with all my heart that God put that vision in our hearts to start this church wow. and to plant this church and to have a place for people like normal come. Let me say something, guys, if you're listening to this and God is touching your heart, please don't hesitate and give to this mission. Sometimes we want to go on mission trips, but we don't have the time. We're working. We have little children, but we can partner with these people and go have our funds, have our finances invested into the kingdom of God. And one thing I think about these people Say the na their name again because I can't remember. Wicholes. Wicholes. I think this is a nation of prophets. This is a nation of prophets, the prophets these Wicholes. I'm saying this because you keep saying that they have dreams. They, uh, these, uh, they receive messages from this uh, spiritual realm. And uh, I'm saying that for centuries, they had their prophet, prophetic gift 
towards the darkness. The, the kingdom of darkness was taking advantage of them. But, you know, I was thinking there are people, you know, we are all, all born to, to worship the one true God. And sometimes the gift that we receive and the talents that we receive, they are uh, misused in the kingdom of darkness. This happened to all of us, not to, just to the witch Alice. So I'm saying this is a prophetic nation and we, we, we are missing them into the kingdom. They are missed in the kingdom. There's something missing into the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, Revelation says that every tribe, every family of the world will be before the, the throne of the Lamb. Now they are missing. These people are not there. Because for centuries, they've been, uh, they've been um, you know, covered in this dark cloud. But now the Lord is saying the time is now and the time is ready. And so please, if God is touching you, please donate towards the Wichala's salvation because we are missing them big time in the kingdom of God and they've been missing for centuries, for millennials, who knows for how long they've been missing, but God hasn't forgotten about them. So please um, look at the link that I have in my uh, podcast. Please look at the link. I'm going to post it on Facebook and Instagram, on TikTok or whatever I am, you know, and um, see, see where you can give. Uh, Christy has something else to share. Yes, uh, you just mentioned how there was a dark cloud. And that's another testimony. When my husband went up, I think it was the second time, and he went to visit this family that had also been displaced. They had actually started a church, and they were displaced. And she said that when he came into the villages, that they could literally see the dark clouds being dispersed. She said, it's like there was a dark cloud in this whole area. And when you guys obeyed God and wow. came to us, we can see the clouds dispersing. And we, we, we saw it when we took our children up. My father had a special spot where he would always pray as he was going up the mountain. Because you go up and it's a high point and you can look over the valley and see several of the villages from way up high. And so he, he, that was his favorite spot to stop every time he went up. And he would just pray and prophesy over the region and just speak the word of God over them, that there was going to be a breakthrough, that there was going to be something. Mm -hmm. And for many years, he stopped there every time he went. And then, I mean, life happened and he grew older and he hasn't been able to go back. And this last time we went and we stopped there with my, my. children his grandchildren. And we started <laughs> prophesying over the area. We did Hallelujah. a prophetic act where we, we broke something. They said the yoke of the enemy is broken now. Hallelujah. The word of God says that the yoke is broken because of the anointing. And we spoke that word over there. My daughter, she's uh, 10 years old. And she's, she said, Mommy, I feel like we need to just roar and yell over this region. And so we did it. And we could just feel <laughs> a breakthrough coming. The lion of the yes, tribe of Judah exactly. roaring. Yeah. Just roaring. Roaring over them, roaring and, and declaring freedom Hallelujah. because they have been oppressed by the enemy for so long. And this is the time when Hallelujah. we thought, I mean, because he didn't mention that very much, but we had plans for 2020. I mean, we had bought our tickets. We were going back and doing some more missions in other places and the borders were closed. 
but we are both Mexican citizens. And so we were, we were wondering, what should we do now? Where can we go? We can't just sit here and do nothing. There, <laughs> the, the word has to continue. The work has to continue. And that's when Reynaldo called and said, okay, these brothers have been persecuted and they're in prison. And we said, okay, we have to go to Mexico. The border is open to us. We are citizens. Let's you can just go in and out. As yeah. I mean, it's our country. It's our people. We need to go into this mission field. And the Lord led us into there right at the right time. Hallelujah. Because he was working, like you said, behind the curtains. He had everything. And I, I tell Chuck sometimes, I feel like we're taking the baby steps, but sometimes it's like God is running and we can't catch up because he's going so fast. It seems like it's developing so fast. And we're trying to catch up with what he is already doing there. Hallelujah. And when, when Chuck talked to the um, the man in charge of or, or that told us that the Bible had been translated, he reminded the verse that some people throw the seed, other people are the ones that water it, and other people are the ones that come. He said, the harvest yeah. is the Lord's, but we each do our part. And Hallelujah. he said, we did our part. He said, we, we translated, we raised the funds to be able to print these Bibles. He said, now your part is to go up there and take it. Take the message of the gospel to these people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is amazing. It's amazing. It's a, a really, uh, I'm glad that I had you here on the program because, you know, people need to know this. You know, it's such a, uh, you know, there are people that are completely unreached by the gospel, but God hasn't forgotten about them. And he's put in the heart of missionaries to go deep down in, in these secret locations to find them and to announce them the good news of Jesus. And I want to encourage everybody here in America, you know, and, and we understand because everything, a lot of the plans we have, a lot of the churches, we had to, you know, close their doors for a while and many things happening. But I want to encourage you because, you know, the Bible and the message doesn't stop. You know, mm -hmm. God is always on the move. So I, I, I see this as a great opportunity for many of us uh, to pray, to get involved. But I one of the things that I, when I was down there this last time and I was talking to Pastor Adolfo, the, the, the pastor, pastor in the Huicholes, and he's a Huichol, um, he reminded me of something. He, he got the Bible and he gave me a prophetic word and he said, you know why you're here? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, because one day you pray, you pray and you say, God, send me where you want me to send you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he reminded me, that I, and I remember the place, and I remember the time when I say, God, uh -huh. I will go wherever you want me to go. I've been uh -huh. Spain, Bulgaria, many places, but now I'm in the mountains with these people, beautiful people, you know, talented people, people loved by God. And I want to encourage everybody that is listening to this podcast, to this transmission. I want to remind you, you made a prayer. God heard your prayer. And he will fulfill his promise in your life. He will fulfill the promises and the prophetic words. What do we have to do? Be obedient. You know, one of the, the, the challenges that we had during this pandemic, it was like our, our, everything started getting canceled. A lot of plans got canceled. But one of the things that the Lord kept reminding me is have open ears to hear the voice of God. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage everybody that maybe you don't feel that you're, you can be a part of something right now. But I want to encourage everybody can be a part of something right now. Just hear the voice of God like Elijah was on the, mount, you know, on the mountain and mm -hmm. he was on the cave and he was hidden and there was an earthquake and there was a fire. But then there was a whistle and the voice of God was in the whistle. So a lot of times all we had to do is pay attention. And this is probably what happened to us. You know, we were doing all the things and not bad things, good things. But sometimes we had to stop and listen to the voice of God and mm -hmm. he will lead you 
you know, he will, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to the people, to the person, to the neighbor, to the, somebody needs a word, somebody needs an encouragement, somebody needs something at this time. And there's, this is the time to reach out to others. Amen. 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 So I want to thank you again for being on the show. And uh, I want to just bless you, bless what you're doing. And uh, people, please give to these people. They are the real deal. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I hope we can have you again. And uh, we want to hear what happens after the summer. You know, so there is an opportunity again. We want to hear it. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. And we're excited to be here to uh, to share what is happening in Mexico. And yeah, we'll come back uh, back again. And, you know, there's many, many testimonies and uh, that we had to share and we had to encourage. But I want to encourage everybody and keep us in prayer. Okay. So stay blessed from your host here, Ellie Tescari. Faith Uncensored. God bless you.